The following is a hoop bowl presentation. The sky is falling. The Lakers are falling from grace. And oh my goodness, the Lakers are 26 and 7, still best record in the Western Conference. Welcome in and welcome back to the Hoop Ball Lakers podcast. We are stoked to be back with you on a very special Monday because not only is it LeBron James's 35th birthday, we got a birthday right here on the show. My main man, JC DeLeon. JC, happy birthday, my man. Thank you, thank you. 38 feels uh, about the same as 37 did. <laughs> I had a feeling you would say that. And don't you know the Lakers? I think that they knew it was your birthday. I'm sure LeBron's birthday wasn't a factor at all. I'm sure it was all about you in winning these last two games to write what was a previously unfathomable losing streak. <laughs> yeah, it certainly didn't look like a four-game losing streak was possible at any point in the season. You thought maybe two. Like Every every NBA team goes through a bad week. and But yeah, four in a row was kind of a lot. You know, it's been a little while since we've been with you guys, so we want to run through the Lakers' losing streak. And now that we're back with back-to-back wins, we got to start to try to create a new win streak here. And we are fired up that the Lakers are back in the right direction. But before we go any further, how caffeinated are you feeling, sir? Are you feeling ready for this show? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I could only guess why. Let me guess. Is it because this podcast, like all of our shows, is brought to you by our title sponsor, Hawaiian Isles Kona Coffee? JC, is that the reason they send you a little gift basket for your birthday? <laughs> Gotta check them out on the website. 100%. <laughs> Gotta check them out, man. In case anyone doesn't know, check them out, hawaiianisles.com or on Amazon by searching for Hawaiian Isles Kona Coffee. You can even find them on Twitter at HI Kona Coffee. That's the same spot where you can find us. I'm at Ethan underscore Noroff, my man JC at JC DeLeon1. And of course, you can find our show at Hoopball Lakers. JC, I feel like we plugged away. Are we ready to get into it? Yep, absolutely. Let's do it. So as we told you, we got to start with a little bit of a recap before we do a look ahead. We want to start go game by game here. Just a quick overview of the losing streak and all. It started with a loss to the Pacers. I want to contextualize this. It was on the road. The Lakers were on the road for three weeks out of four. It was around the holidays. There's only natural for some fatigue to start setting in. And of course, in a game where Anthony Davis didn't play, you knew the Lakers were going to face a challenge despite facing a Pacers team that is still missing Victor Oladipo. And I think despite missing Anthony Davis, the biggest takeaway for me for this one was this is a game that the Lakers really should have won. It felt like one of those that they gave it away, which was sort of a, a consistent theme in this losing streak. And more than Anthony Davis not playing, I think the biggest thing on this one was LeBron James scoring 20 points on 20 shots, taking an 0 for 6 from downtown and 4 of 8 from the foul line. If LeBron makes his free throws, the Lakers win this game. Yeah, they, they didn't get a whole lot from the uh, starters, and I know we'll talk about that at some point in this show. But yeah, in this one, you, LeBron, despite as great as he's playing, he can't really put everything on his shoulders like that on any given night because this might be the result. He's going to shoot inefficiently. He's uh, he's starting to get a little bit of a, a few dings here and there. And so, yeah, we put this kind of pressure on him on any single game. This, this could be the result. It's not typical, but it could be. And you know what really we have to watch for with LeBron, especially as he gets another year older. I know he's a human cyborg and all of those things are fine and good. But the reality is when you start hearing thoracic muscle strain, anything with the groin that cost him so much time last year, it's only natural to get a little bit of nervous energy in terms of the strain and the wear and tear they're asking LeBron to put on his body at this point in time. But I think with this team, look, the Pacers are a tough team to beat in their own house. The Lakers starting lineup, as you said, really did not give them much. I mean, this is a team that in this game shot eight of 31 from downtown that's a whopping 25.8 percent 
And more embarrassingly, 8 of 17 from the foul line, JC. And the free throw shooting has continued to be a major concern. It has, and I know we'll talk about that a little bit with the Bucks game coming up. But, uh, yeah, free throw shooting is uh, its definitely weird how widespread it is among this team. You want to take a positive out of this game? Dwight Howard was a perfect 10 for 10 for 20 points, six boards, two blocks in 26 minutes. He continues to be better than anyone could have expected, but it's going to be tough for this team. Anytime LeBron James and or Anthony Davis does not play in a game, it's going to be a challenging one for the Lakers to win. Mm-hmm, for sure. There's no question about it. And then you thought that maybe the Lakers could get back on track. There was this big game against the Milwaukee Bucks, circled on everybody's calendars. Anthony Davis, Anthony Davis versus Giannis, LeBron versus the Bucks. however you want to frame it. Both guys played in this game. Both guys played heavy minutes in this game. The Lakers still lost this game despite outscoring the Bucks by 12 points in the second half. So, J.C., what happened in this game? It, I mean, this was uh, a lot of Giannis, obviously. He shot pretty efficiently, shot pretty efficiently from the free throw line. Oh, he, he had a he hit, nine, Yeah, five, he, he had three. five threes yeah. in this game. Five threes for Giannis. That is, not a sen- that is not a sentence that we're accustomed to saying because Giannis with a jump shot is basically an unguardable Anthony Davis. And if you thought Anthony Davis was unguardable, now consider what I just said. It took a career night from Giannis for the Bucks to win this one, but the Lakers still felt like a game they could have and probably should have won, but that second quarter sticks out like a sore thumb. 42 points for the Bucks. Every other quarter they held them under 25. Yeah, I mean, that quarter wasn't even really that bad because he had 29 in that quarter. I think it was the first quarter also, they had, the Lakers had 17. So, yeah, that whole first half, not ideal. Less than ideal, to say the least. And you know what really sticks out from this particular box score for me is that every Lakers starter was a positive plus-minus differential except for one. That one, JC, LeBron James, minus 14 in his 37 minutes. Yeah, and this this might have been the start of, of some of the injuries, uh, small injury dings that he's he's been facing. And so when that happens, he tends to he doesn't drive as much. He'll shoot more threes. He shot seven threes in this game. Um, it was revealed last night on the broadcast that a third of his shots this season are coming from three, and he's never quite shot that many. And so, yeah, if he's not going to drive as often, that's um, that's an adjustment they have to they have to learn to make make. Never shot that many and has never shot it that efficiently. LeBron James has been a capable three-point shooter, but he has never been and probably will never be a great three-point shooter. And I think that's an especially important shot as he continues to progress in his career and as he gets older. Because look, we saw it with Kobe for many years. He used his athleticism, he drives to the rim, but as he got older, he changed his game because he had to. And that's part of what kept him in the league for so long and playing at a high level for so long before the injuries. That's what LeBron has started to do over the last several years. And I think we're really starting to see it come to fruition this year. The good news is in this game, the Lakers were a lot better from the foul line, 18 of 23, 78 points. I think you'll take that. The three-point shot still leaves a lot to be desired for me because, yes, the Lakers were 12 of 35 in this one, 34.3%. It's respectable enough, but seven of those 12 makes came from Danny Green. So if you take him out of the equation, the Lakers were five of 23 from downtown. That ain't going to work. Yeah, they've got to they've got to execute and get smarter shots. It's I don't really like the Rockets' philosophy of chucking up three pointers just to just because it's a higher scoring shot. I think you've got to be smarter and more efficient with uh, how they're doing. And they have been doing that lately because KCP is almost lights out from the baseline. He's shot a bunch of those the last couple of games. 
Man, KCP has been great, which has been wonderful because beyond this game with Danny Green hitting seven threes, he has been the invisible man. And that's that's quite an expensive task to pull off at $15 million annually. Yeah, for sure. You know, so I think as as we've seen this Lakers team and they've continued to invest money in the guard position without getting some of the returns that they expect, Danny Green's a guy who has to be better. We'll get into that a little bit later, but I think the biggest takeaway from this one was, look, this wasn't a game where the Lakers lost and you felt bad about it. You felt frustrated by it because the opportunities were there for them to win. But at the end of the day, the Bucks are the best team in the NBA record-wise, and I would still take the Lakers in a seven-game set against this group, wouldn't you? Yeah, yeah, 100%. So we got to flush it and we move on. And we moved on to the Nuggets game after that. This was a game that got ugly quickly for me, JC. Yeah, this is just kind of one of those games where they didn't really have it. And I, yeah, I I didn't anticipate three losses in a row. But right away it just seemed like, um, I mean, LeBron didn't play in this one. And so, you know, maybe he kind of wrote it off because of that. But, yeah, it it seemed like they put up a little bit more of a fight against the Nuggets. And I think the biggest thing for me is, yes, no LeBron in the lineup, but also at home, especially coming home after such a long road trip, you would have liked to see a little bit more. Anthony Davis in his 34 minutes was an efficient 32 points, 11 rebounds, four blocks. I mean, he did everything and then some. But the rest of the team outside of Kyle Kuzma was MIA like Nick Saban. Kyle Kuzma had 16 off the bench. No other player scored more than eight points in this game, JC. And for a team that's built with a top-heavy roster, it's awfully difficult to win against good teams that way. Yeah, and Rondo had eight assists in this one, and most of the rest of the team only had one assist apiece, with the exception of Danny Green and KCP, who had two each. And I think one of my biggest takeaways from this one is that 39 field goals made for the Lakers in this game. They shot 47%, again, more than respectable. But on 39 makes, they had 18 assists. That's less than half their baskets. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they even with LeBron, they, already, they do occasionally have problems where – the offense stalls and it's kind of four guys watching one guy and that's not how you're going to win regular season basketball it might be effective in situations in the playoffs but not regular season you know when you say that you're giving me flashbacks to kobe's final year where it was julius randall d'angelo russell jordan clarkson and a bunch of youngsters waiting around and watching for kobe to do something spectacular Mm -hmm. do you remember that oh yeah yeah And, you know, that's not what this Lakers team can become. And look, the Nuggets are a good team, okay? There's no question about that. Do I think they're a great team? No. But they're a good team and they're a deep team. And the Lakers are deep, but they're more deep based on what kind of team construct they have versus the Nuggets who are more outright deep on paper. So I can't say that I was surprised with a loss. I was a little surprised. I can't say that I was stunned. But what I will say is that I thought there would be more dog in the fight on this one. The Lakers won the first quarter, but kind of rolled over after that. And that's not the trade of a team that's contending for a title that you want to see and I think my biggest criticism of the Lakers came in this one which is simply this and we've talked about this a number of times both on and off air my biggest criticism of this team through the first 30 or so games the Lakers have an immense amount of talent they have the discipline to work in the half court set but too often the Lakers are relying on trying to beat their opposition with the opposition style of play rather than the Lakers using what they do well to beat the opposition yeah, I'd agree with that. 
And I think that's something that the Lakers really need to focus on as they continue to build and to shape their identity because the Lakers are going to be a good defensive team, but I don't know that they will be a great defensive team as we saw earlier in this season because the schedule will get tougher. The injuries will start piling up. Teams will have more to play for. And any time a team takes the court against the Lakers, I don't care if it's the Phoenix Suns. I don't care if it's the New Orleans Pelicans. Hell, I don't even care if it's the Orlando Magic there is going to be something to play for against this Lakers team. Yeah, and they've proven that teams that are teams that are really fast and teams that are really tall have a lot of length uh, cause problems for them. The Lakers are a pretty good rebounding team most of the time, but not when they play against a really long, fast team. Guess what the Nuggets are. Wouldn't you consider them a long, fast team? I don't quite know how long I consider them, but they're definitely a fast team. Uh, Dallas has a, has a good example of... Um, showing a team that could be fast and long. But, yeah, Denver is definitely quick. I don't think Nikola Jokic's uh, outstretched arms would probably tower over Kristaps Porzingis. But when you've got Jokic, Paul Millsap, Jeremy Grant, then you've got big guards and Will Barton or two threes, Will Barton and Gary Harris, and an athletic Jamal Murray, you can certainly run up, up, up and down the floor and you can certainly present some size that would give the Lakers a challenge that other teams simply can't. And I think that's one thing we got to hone on really quickly because we were looking for a place to tie in this Devontae Kaycock two-way deal to the show, and I think this is it, JC, because, yes, the Lakers have a clear – size advantage compared to the rest of the NBA in terms of their roster construct. But I thought it was interesting when the Lakers decided to wave Zach Norvell goodbye and bring back preseason sensation Devontae Kaycock on a two on a two way deal. I think that's something that I looked at and said, huh, maybe the Lakers are looking for a little big man help here. Yeah, and as the season wears on and I think they solidify at the very least the top three ranking, you gotta figure they'll they'll try to to develop these younger guys a little bit more and give them some playing time because you haven't seen really any of of the Antetokounmpo brother or Kaycock or Taylor Horton Tucker who's been really highly touted. Let me ask you a question because when the Utah Jazz decided to wave goodbye to Jeff Green, I tweeted almost immediately. I said, look, I'd be surprised if the Lakers didn't at least have interest. But the Lakers also don't have a lot of roster flexibility. I think anyone who watches the team could agree that could they use another wing? Absolutely. Where he was would slot in terms of playing time, I think that's the bigger question. But let's just play this out, whether it's Jeff Green or anyone else. This Lakers roster doesn't have a lot of flexibility. Where are you looking if this team is going to make an upgrade, right? We talked about possible trades because it's that time of year. But the Lakers don't have a lot of uh, flexibility in terms of trade assets or in terms of literal contracts for them to trade away. So if the Lakers are looking to make an improvement, where do they go? How do they do it? I think for me, Jeff Green is one of those guys who, oh, yeah, Jeff Green, like that's a good name. Whether or not he makes an impact, I think it's debatable. For me, he's not going to make a big enough impact for somebody to lose his roster spot over bringing in Jeff Green. But you start looking up and down this roster, and I think this is where we tie in the Kyle Kuzma right now. Because Kyle Kuzma is one of those guys who, yes, he, he seems like an obvious trade candidate in terms of can you improve your roster without shaking it up immensely. But Kyle Kuzma's ma- making only $2 million this year. And something that you and I said before the show started, JC, was it's going to be tough for the Lakers to make a big deal without making it a big deal. Yeah, and he's, as much as I love Kuzma year one and year two, year three, he's beginning to frustrate me a little bit just because he is a great talent and he's a spark offensively. I don't bring. I don't think he brings enough to the table team defense wise, and that's more of what this team needs. Somebody who's willing to play in a minimized role and be a spot up shooter. If if you need somebody who can score and create, he just can't do that on his own. As soon as he starts dribbling the ball, it's going to be a shot or it's going to be a turnover or a bad shot. And 
it's one of those three things. He's never going to make a good pass uh, out of out of the post, and yeah, it the ball goes to him. It just kind of becomes a black hole, and I think you need a little bit more out of what you expect out of Kyle Kuzma. And he's talented enough to where he's a good fit for someone's scheme. It just not doesn't seem like a good as good a fit for this scheme as people thought it would be. Before the season started, I said this about Kyle Kuzma. I said, look, we know what Kyle Kuzma is good at doing. He is good at scoring the basketball. But what this Lakers team needs him to do is everything except score the basketball. Can mm-hmm. he cut out the ball? Can he make the good pass? Can he play team defense? Is it just going to be about Kyle Kuzma or will it be about the Lakers? And the last time we were on, I said the same thing. Right now when Kyle Kuzma comes down the floor with the ball, just like you said, is what's the best play for Kyle Kuzma, not what's the best play for the Lakers. Yeah. And, and yeah, they, they need a third, not superstar, but a third really high-quality player who will fit more within the team scheme of, of this team rather than, yeah, what's best for Kyle Kuzma. And, and, I, and I wonder about that because is, is that something that we can find? Is that something that's going to be available on the trade market? And right now I'm leaning toward no just because of what the Lakers have to offer in terms of assets and just in terms of where other teams are. And I think that's one of the reasons that, especially at the onset of the season, I don't know how much now because he hasn't played in so long, but toward the onset of the season, I think that's why so many fans were so hopeful for Andre Iguodala. Not that he could be a third superstar, but he could be that third piece who could do all of those things without needing the ball in his hands. I mean, Andre Iguodala can play 25, 30 minutes with, without taking a shot. Yeah, and it, it, but it, and it becomes how you can acquire a piece like that because I do think if, if a piece like Andre Iguodala can be acquired, I mean, not cheaply because he's going to be expensive if it's through trade, if he's patient enough and gets bought out through Memphis, that's the way to do it just because he's making, I think he's like an $18 million cap hit. Um, and Kuzma's only two. So I think to sacrifice Kuzma for a piece like Iguodala, I think it would only be good if you just got a little bit more. Because Iguodala's up there in age, and, and I think Kuzma is a more valuable piece at his really low salary cap hit. Kyle Kuzma in this game against the Nuggets, just to bring it back to this box score, 22 minutes, 7 of 15 shooting, 16 points. Not terrible, but when you look at that minus 16 next to his name, those 16 points mean a whole lot less, especially without the supporting stats. Right, yeah. And when you look at Kyle Kuzma at a glance overall, look, his minutes are down. We know that. Part of that is by design because he's coming back from injury and he's dealt with a little bit of an ankle uh, issue as he's gotten over the foot injury. But other than that, his numbers are just down. He's not shooting the ball as efficiently from the field overall. His three-point percentage is back up. It's up to 35.4%, so it's respectable, even if it's not great. His free throw percentage is down slightly, 72%. And he's just not bringing enough to the table in those other categories. Kyle Kuzma for the season, for the season, JC, has 18 assists. For the season, compared (laughs) to 38 turnovers. Not surprising. I've actually been meaning to look up that number, and I keep forgetting. That's that's amazing. Uh, Yeah, he... uh... Yeah, that's a, that's an amazing stat. <laughs> I mean, that that's our stat of the week right there on the Monday show. We always got to bring you a number. That's what you do here, JC. Tell the people. Yeah, um, his his inability to pass and make great passes is it's definitely a slight on this team. 
And I think that's something that this Lakers team is currently missing and missing desperately because when you look at this team's next game against the Clippers, we knew this was going to be a challenge. We knew it was going to be tough. We knew it was Christmas Day. We knew all of those things. And we knew, look, both Kawhi Leonard and Paul George would be in the lineup. And I think when I look at this box score, something that I take away from it is this game was tied after three quarters. The Lakers had a very good first half, a very bad third quarter, and then a fourth quarter that just didn't go their way. I had a buddy, a good friend of mine, text uh, a group of us during the game with about five minutes left in the game and here's what he said he said this feels like one of those games where LeBron tries to do too much down the stretch and winds up losing it in the clutch as a result and that was just minutes before that Patrick Beverly deflection and what wound up being the game ceiling play for the Clippers yeah I would agree with that I was I was in Las Vegas and I had a weird weird feeling I actually bet on the Lakers in the first half but then bet, bet the Clippers to cover the spread so I nailed both bets but uh yeah it's, it's one of those games where you look at it and you say, okay, if you would have told me that, you know, Kawhi Leonard and Paul George combined for 52 points, so about a li- little less than half of the Clippers' points, that's a game in theory you could win. But Kawhi Leonard shot 11 of 19, including 5 of 7 from deep. He was perfect, 8 of 8 from the charity stripe. He was a plus 13 in his 38 big minutes, 35 points, 12 rebounds, 5 assists. I mean, that was a classic Kawhi Leonard game. But Paul George was 5 of 18 for 17 points, 5 rebounds, a few assists. And he only hit one of six threes. It's not like the Clippers came out and set the world aflame. They shot 45.9% from the floor. But the Lakers, again, 39 of 96 from the field. That's 40.6%. And 12 of 45. I repeat, 12 of 45 from downtown. The Lakers have no business taking 45 threes in a game. No, and and it's one of those – it is one of those games where I think – you know, the, coming into the game, there was que- it was questionable whether or not LeBron or AD were going to play, but you knew they were going to play. But yeah, the classic sign of of an injured LeBron or a slightly injured LeBron is he's not going to drive and he's going to shoot a lot of threes. And yeah, he did that in in this game. And every time, I I just kind of saw. He, I don't know how he's not an easier guy to scout sometimes because I know when he's about to shoot a three, and I don't see how the rest of the league doesn't know when he's about to shoot a three. And um, yeah step back he stares at the ball and then he squares up yeah and he was yeah two for 12 in this game from three and so that's the classic sign of an injured lebron and, and yeah talk about an injured lebron how about an injured anthony davis you know his shoulder seems to be an issue for him again i know it's going to be an issue for him throughout the year it feels like something he's probably going to need off-season shoulder surgery on but the stat of the game for me in this one is not just lebron two of 12 ad one of six so a combined three of 18 mm-hmm. from your two megastars from deep that is not going to get it done no matter what the rest of the team does. No, but and it's a weirdly positive sign that the game was as close as it was despite that. But, yeah, you definitely don't want to see that ever again. Not a lot of good to take out of this one. I mean, the bench production, KCP has played well. He was good in this one. He had 13 points off the bench in his 30 minutes. Kyle Kuzma's was setting the world on fire in the first half. He had he finished with 25 in this one. But, again, not much else across the board. Kyle Kuzma was a plus 10, whereas Anthony Davis in his 39 minutes was a minus 10. So that's certainly something to consider. But overall, look, you, you know the Clippers are probably going to be your toughest test in this Western Conference, especially, I'm thinking, in the seven-game series. So while there's no shame in a loss, it certainly was that much harder to swallow as as the fourth in a four-game set. Yeah, they certainly can't go winless against the Clippers this year. They've got to get one of these games at the very least. But even yeah. even, even though I think come playoff time, I have a ton of faith in LeBron. And I have a ton of faith in, in Rondo and a ton of faith in their ability to help lead AD. 
Yeah, you do, you definitely want to get one of these regular season games against the Clippers. If for no other reason, only for their psychological momentum. You know, it's interesting. After the after one of the recent Clippers games, I believe it was against Utah, the loss that they had, Paul George was very honest. He said, look, I'm having a tougher time this year finishing through contact because of my shoulder surgeries. I know, I know that sh- that he's not over the mental side of it yet. And I kind of wonder if LeBron and or Anthony Davis, especially Anthony Davis, because he's dealt with a litany of injuries in his career, shoulder here, ankle there, knee there, et cetera, et cetera, if that is going to start impacting them, because if and when that happens, that is a very dangerous place to be for a professional athlete. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So the good news is the Lakers were able to get behind those four losses, turn it back around, go on the road to Portland, a place where they've traditionally had a lot of trouble, and put their stamp down with a 128-120 win against the Blazers. This was pretty much a wire-to-wire victory for the Lakers. Uh, I I thought they looked fairly good. Kuzma, uh, again, was very good in this one, especially in the first half. 24 points for him, 3 of 9 from deep, but 9 of 17 overall. Anthony Davis and LeBron James didn't have – or excuse me, Anthony Davis didn't have a spectacular game by his standards. 20 points, 9 boards, 5 assists, but LeBron James – some people are going to look at this box score and go, oh, he only scored 21. But how about the 16 assists, JC? 32 assists for the Lakers in this game on 47 made field goals. That is a much better stat. Yeah, it definitely seems like they they picked up on something in this loss, uh, the, in this losing streak. Because, yeah, the last two games LeBron's come out and really been intent on getting everyone involved. And you're seeing a lot more of his teammates in, in double figures. Uh, there's the there was a slight off court issue with Kuzma that may or may not have been a legit thing, but it doesn't seem to have been uh, you know been washed by now. And, and Kuzma had a really good game this one. Uh, so yeah, I think I think you're you're starting to see LeBron trying to get more everyone involved a little bit more. And this was this was also a game. You know, I got to bring out my man Alex Caruso because this was a game just before where we heard Frank Vogel giving the old okie doke saying. Look, I talked to Caruso. He understands I can't give him as many minutes because Rajon Rondo has to play and we're out here basketball politicking, yada, yada, yada. Well, guess what? Alex Caruso got 20 minutes. He was a plus 13, and he scored nine points in an eight-point victory. So, JC, you tell me that's just a coincidence or you think there might be a factor there? No, I think it's a factor, and I think I think Vogel is starting to see that late in the second half, either late in the third, early in the fourth, if those are the minutes where you can spell LeBron and AD with a really effective lineup that's got Caruso and maybe Rondo in at the same time, why not? Yeah, that's that's totally uh, that's totally uh, valuable to this team. Very interesting stuff in this game for me in a couple of different ways. Lakers still didn't really shoot it well from downtown and are still taking way too many threes. 32 threes is still too many for this team. And only especially when you connect on 11 of them, that's good for 34.4%. So just good enough to to rationalize it, I guess, but not in my head. More interestingly is the Lakers shot 51.6 from the floor in this game, 47 of 91 overall, which means they were hyper-efficient from inside that three-point line. That seems to make a lot of sense given what their skill set skill set is as well as their personnel. And I love the free throw percentage on this one, 23 of 28, 82.1%. Anytime a team is over 80% from the foul line, you feel pretty good about your chances to win that game, especially if it's in volume. And I know there are a lot of Lakers fans out there still wondering why Lakers didn't sign Carmelo Anthony. JC, I don't know if you watched this game, but I, I had to check to see if Carmelo Anthony was actually on the court. 
<laughs> yeah, he's he's had his moments, but I don't think he's been kind of what he would have cost. I don't know. I think you need more defense from from than what he's he's providing. He's getting some rebounds. He's shooting shooting efficiently. Um, sometimes on this this game, he was five for fourteen. So I don't I don't know that people are quite seeing what they think they're seeing. I think the Blazers are searching. That that forward position seems to be a black hole for them. They can't seem to find that third guy, even with Hassan Whiteside, with Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum. But we don't talk about the Portland Trailblazers problems for too long because this is a Lakers podcast and this was a Lakers win. So I think the most interesting stat for me from this particular one, beyond the box score production, comes from the minutes. Starting guards, Avery Bradley and Danny Green. Bradley played 18 minutes. Danny Green played 19 minutes. Contavious Caldwell-Pope, 32 minutes. Alex Caruso, 20 minutes. Rajon Rondo, 18 minutes. And even Dwight Howard's 19 minutes were more than JaVale McGee's 11. So I think this was a game where I looked at this and said, hmm, is Frank Vogel stubborn or is he going to make some changes? And he finally implemented some changes, and it feels like it worked to the benefit of Lakers in this one. Yeah, it's they're getting to a point now where, yeah, they, they might need to reevaluate the starting lineup. Um, I still really... The last few games, I, I like the the energy that JaVale comes out with defensively. Um, I don't like the fact that he can't seem to catch a, a fast pass with his hands at all. That's kind of uh, bothersome. But it seems like if you can get efficient scoring and efficient play while LeBron and AD are resting, that's the more valuable part. So it seems like although the starters aren't, performing as well as some of the bench players. I think when the game starts, their their focus is to get LeBron and AD going. And so that's the reason why it feels like, to me, Kuzma comes off the bench, KCP's been coming off the bench, although I think he should be put back in the starting lineup. Um, I'm still of the belief that Dwight Howard's been playing really great in the fourth quarters lately, and so I still like the fact that, that JaVale starts and Dwight is kind of the closer. Um, but, yeah, there needs to be some shuffling in the starting lineup. Yeah, and I think that's a great time to talk about this observation from the Laker Film Room on Twitter. You know, after that game, Laker Film Room, which is a great Twitter account, at Laker Film Room, makes videos for YouTube. He's on Spectrum Sportsnet. We like him here. He gives good data. And here's what he had to say. This was after the Portland wind. The current starting lineup has been outscored by four points in 130 minutes this season, which, okay, on the surface, you're like, okay. But here's the real kicker. If your lineup has LeBron James and Anthony Davis in it, and it is still an average NBA lineup, it might be time to take a look at those three other guys. So, JC, you talked about the starting lineup. You talked about Contavious Caldwell-Pope playing well, and I definitely want to get there. But who is not playing well, JC? Danny Green. It's now been 14 games in December. This was Danny Green's December. The Lakers don't play again until 2020. Danny Green's December. Eight points, four rebounds, 35.9% from the floor, 33.8% from deep. That is not why this Lakers team is paying him $15 million a year. No, not at all. And, yeah, I know defense, he got some defensive votes last year for the all-defensive team, and that's kind of was going to be his main purpose, but he's got to bring more offensively than what he has been. Has to. I mean, he has to. And, look, Avery Bradley has not been much better. In fact, he hasn't been better at all. And I kind of wonder if that's the swap that needs to happen in the starting lineup, especially because LeBron is the de facto point guard. Is it as simple as taking Avery Bradley out and putting Catavis Caldwell-Pope in? Because I like what KCP brings to the second unit. Or is it making that swap for Avery Bradley and maybe Alex Caruso goes into that starting five? 
When when Avery Bradley was injured, I did like what KCP was bringing to the starting lineup, and that sort of de- seemed to be the start of his turnaround this season. And he's continued to play really well coming off the bench while Avery Bradley hasn't. And so I, I think they should have kept that going a little bit longer, having them swapped and see, you know, having Avery Bradley come off the bench. Um, although, I mean, to, just to, in defense of Frank Vogel, he might just see he might just have the same philosophy I have of it's getting we're getting a lot of value getting high scoring off of the bench and sort of leaving the starting lineup to to implement LeBron and AD so Avery Bradley just to revisit that December production for Dr. Bradley here look I know he's coming off an injury of his own and he's you know sort of starting trying to refine his footing in the NBA but in 20 minutes per game over nine contests in December Five and a half points on 34.9% shooting, including a whopping 17.4% from downtown. Now, I don't want to fixate too much on that percentage from downtown, but when you're taking 2.6 threes a game and you're only playing 20 minutes, those are bad shots. Yeah, and yeah, and, and the injuries could could be adding up. Like I did see a stat either a week ago or a week and a half ago where in total games missed, it might not seem like the Lakers have had a ton of, of severe injuries. But in terms of games missed total, the Lakers are a top five team in games missed total. So, like, they've had a lot of issues with this lineup. That's incredible. I mean, I don't think that's something that a lot of people would think about this Lakers team with. But I think that's a stat that's important to consider. And now we got to move on to my man KCP because we've done the dooming loom with Danny Green and Avery Bradley. But we want to be a little bit more optimistic here and talk uh, Contavious Caldwell-Pope. And, look, he's really been good since November, let alone in December alone. This is a guy who's shooting – 43% 43% overall from downtown right now, 47.5% from the field. But in December, especially, KCP was blistering hot in the icy cold. 50.9% from the field, 46.2% from downtown, and 793 from the line, just underneath that 80% clip in only 28.5 minutes per game. You like KCP because he doesn't really turn the ball over either. He does enough defensively, even if the stats aren't always there. And I think the idea of KCP that so many Lakers fans wanted to see is finally starting to come to fruition in this particular season and maybe it's because he doesn't have the weight of the contract on him and maybe it's because he doesn't have the weight of the lights on him with AD and LeBron maybe it's his work with lethal shooter whatever it is this is the version of KCP this Lakers team needs and I want to watch every night and it's in its quality of shots too he's um, I mentioned the shots that he gets from the baseline off of pick and rolls He's currently about between 46 and 48% on those shots. He's almost automatic. I mean, that's a, that's a good place to be, especially, you know me. I like to dabble a little bit and, you know, tie a little extra outcomes to my sports watching here, JC. And you know what makes these games more fun is you put a few dollars on them. So those KCP prop bets, those have been cashing in for me recently. And if you're like me and you want a little extra something, you got to go and place your next bet at our newest sponsor, Trumpets Play mybookie.ag that is our online betting partner here at hoopball you go sign up for a new account and use the promo code lakers that's the key promo code you got to use just like they say it at the game lakers that's the word lakers and my bookie will give you a 50 percent deposit bonus up to a thousand dollars you hear me up to a thousand dollars so if you put in two grand they're going to give you a grand for free you put in a grand they're going to give you 500 you put in 500 they're going to give you 250 any way you slice it it is free money mybookie.ag the promo code is Lakers and you got to tell them that we sent you they've got prop bets they've got championship odds they've got game bets they've got it all JC I can't find something I don't want to bet on on this website good news for us not as good news for my wallet 
<laughs> yeah, and prop bets are a lot of fun. You can't you can't play a lot of those in Vegas and yeah, I was in Vegas and I didn't uh wasn't able to play a lot of fantasy, wasn't able to play a lot of uh prop bets and things like that. So I had to play straight up halftime halftime lines and, and money lines. JC, you uh you're coming on, on your birthday show here. You tell me the Vegas trip was good, you gotta tell me it was profitable now. Uh it was. It was quite the uh, profitable one. I had uh, some good football bets, uh did uh the, the Nuggets actually came through for me on a game that they almost lost against, I believe it was the Pelicans, but they came through in the end. Uh, so, yeah. Beautiful. So let's let's move forward here. You got you guys are on mybookie.ag. You got your coffee from Hawaiian Islands Corner Coffee. Now we got to talk about this win against Dallas because this was a game I looked at and said, mm, this is a game that could go either way, especially with Luka Doncic back in the lineup. I don't want the Lakers to get comfortable at home, but this is a game the Lakers came out and they just look like the better team from the tip. Yeah, anytime you can come back on the second night of a back-to-back, especially when when LeBron's going to be questionable, and you can put forth a defensive effort like that, that's that's what you want to see out of this team. This was nearly a perfect box score for me to look at because after watching the game, I always scroll through the box score. I like to see where the production came across. And you look at the Mavericks. This is a team that I don't want to say the Lakers' defense was this good. They bricked a lot of open shots, but 32 of 89 for 36%. There has to be some level of defense played for that. They kept the Mavericks to 30.2% on 43 43 three-point attempts. And yes, the Dallas Mavericks were 18 of 20 from the line for 90%. But when you look at the Lakers side and they shot 48.7% from the field, 39.1% from the three-point line and 82.1% from the line, it's going to be tough for them to lose games that way, especially when on 38 field goals, 38 made field goals, the Lakers had 28 assists, again paced by LeBron James. And the thing that I like the most about this, besides LeBron James having 13 assists, he only had 13 points. He only took 10 shots. Now, no other Laker besides LeBron James or Anthony Davis took over 10 shots in this game. And not all of them were efficient. Look, Kyle Kuzma was a big old 0 for 7 with zero points in this game. But Anthony Davis was efficient, 8 of 12 shooting, 7 of 9 from the line. LeBron James, 5 of 6 from the line, made his free throws. They needed 13 points from LeBron James to win this game, in large part, again, because they got bench production. KCP coming through with 19 points in this one. And Dwight Howard, in his 19 minutes, came up with 15 points of his own. Yeah, we 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 talked about how this team is capable of winning in a lot of different ways, and they've been in a couple of grinded out defensive games this year, but nothing quite like this where LeBron shooting three for ten, Anthony Davis only puts up 12, 12 shots. Uh, yeah, the total team effort is from this is what you want to see. Nineteen out of KCP was great. Dwight Howard was amazing in the third and fourth quarters. So yeah, this is this is the kind of effort you want to see. Anthony Davis was a game high plus sixteen for the Lakers. But the more impressive, well, not more impressive, but the equally impressive, tied for second, Danny Green, plus 12 in his 22 minutes. And my man, Alex Caruso, only played 16 minutes in this one. But Rondo only played 18. Bradley played 23. Green played 22. So they were all around the same stretch there with KCP at 25. Alex Caruso in his 16 minutes, JC, plus 12. Mm-hmm. And does kind of stick out like a sore thumb. Kyle Kuzma, 26 minutes, but uh, Ofer on the uh, box score. 0 for 7 and a plus 2 just because he played with some good players out there. The good thing is Kyle Kuzma wasn't hanging his head too bad in this one. He hung in at certain times, and that's something I want to see improve from him when his shot is not going in. You have to find ways to still impact the game when your offense isn't coming to you like you expect, and that's the next level of growth for Kyle Kuzma. But I think both of our question is, can he reach it? Yeah, that remains to be seen, but I think 
to me, it seems like he's somebody, at least I thought of until a week ago, his trainer might not necessarily be speaking for Kuzma. But yeah, Kuzma is somebody I thought somebody would, would look up to LeBron in in a way that he could really mentor him. I still think that's the case because the game after all that drama happened, Kuzma had a great game. So I think this just might be an outlier. I agree, and I think now as the Lakers move forward into 2020, sitting here with a 26-7 and record still atop the Western Conference, the schedule finally starts to slow down, both in terms of talent and literally in terms of speed, the schedule starts to slow down. From here to the 11th of January, the Lakers only play six times, so in about two weeks, they only have six games. That's a pretty reasonable pace of schedule, and the upcoming uh, visitors, the Suns, the Pelicans, the Pistons, the Knicks, and the Lakers go back on the road for the Mavericks and Thunder. I got to think at home for that four-game set against the Suns, Pelicans, Pistons, and Knicks. I know the Pelicans and the Knicks have been playing better, but these are games the Lakers have to win. Yeah, for sure. I mean, they're, they're also home for the next nine days, and so you get, a, get a, a good rest from all that time on the road. So, yeah, this is something where they should go hopefully 5-1, and one, maybe at the worst 4-2. and two. Lakers got a couple of revenge games coming up here as well because don't forget Brandon Ingram, Josh Hart, loans of ball coming back to town for Friday, January 3rd against the Lakers. And then Julius Randle and his New York Knicks Tuesday, January 7th come to take on the Lake Show. You think those young kids will be a little motivated? Oh, yeah, for sure. (laughs) Yeah, I think that's probably safe to say, right? So, But if you're the Lakers, look, the Suns should be a a team right now with or without DeAndre Ayton. You got to take care of business. The Pelicans are a team you should be able to put away early unless you let them get going. The Pistons are just the hottest mess. I mean, Blake Griffin's contract looks like a behemoth of an albatross, which I don't even know if it's proper English, but it's that bad. (laughs) The Knicks are just all over the place. Yes, they play better with Mike Miller. There's no question about it, but they're still all over the place. And the Lakers have far more talent than any of these four teams, maybe even more talent than the four teams combined. Okay, that might be being a little generous here, but I think you get my point. Yeah, and then man, on the 10th, they play the Mavericks again. Wow. <laughs> yeah, it's coming quick with Luke, with Luka and co. And after the Mavericks and Thunder, just to stretch it out a little bit further, the Lakers take on the Cavs, another game they should win. The Magic, both of those games at home before heading on the road versus the Rockets and Celtics. That'll probably be the next two toughest games on that schedule besides the one against the Mavericks upcoming on January 10th. So the Lakers enter a stretch here as they go through January where they've got a few challenges toward the end of the month. They do play the 76ers on the road. They play another one versus the Clippers on January 28th. But this month of January, it should be a favorable month for the Lakers. I think it's of the utmost importance that they maintain their positive momentum and that if and when, well, not if, but when the losses occur, they minimize it and they don't become these extended three or four game streaks. Mm -hmm, Absolutely. And I think that's that's where the Lakers are right now because if you look up and down this roster, look, I think if anyone, anyone said, hey, the Lakers are going to be almost halfway through the season, they're going to be in first place, and they're going to have under 10 losses, I think anyone would sign up for that. I know I would have. Yeah, and up until this one thing with Kuzma, yeah, there hasn't been a lot of off-the-court uh, off drama or anything like that either, so that's a big win in and of itself. And, that, and that's one thing, I'm glad you brought that up, because that is one thing I wanted to touch on on the show, is despite some of the fluctuations in roles, despite some of the fluctuations in minutes, and despite some of the fluctuations in expectations, this team has done a remarkably good job of remaining together. There hasn't been that drama, there hasn't been that uh, on-court drama, off-court drama, they seem to be really together, even the coaching staff seems to be together. Well, Lionel Holland just kind of sits there with his, with his hands under his butt. I'm not really sure what he does, but the coaching staff seems to be mostly together, and I think this Lakers group has a level of camaraderie and chemistry that was sorely missing over the last several years. Yeah, they do a lot of things that are, that are really funny. Like uh, I noticed last night, every time Caruso comes into the game and 
people have come in calling him the bald mamba because uh, he because uh, he's obviously got a bald head. Uh, every time he comes in, Dwight Howard does a flying wings motion like a bald eagle. That made me laugh. Uh, so yeah, I think uh, I'm thinking there was another moment last night. Uh, Demarcus Cousins was uh, messing with somebody in the bench, and LeBron was laughing. Like, yeah, this is uh, this is a team that likes each other. And that's the thing. Even a guy like DeMarcus Cousins, who you know is out for the year, who is a part of this team but hasn't really been a part of this team, still feels included. And when you have a player like that feeling included, it's that much easier for the guys who are actually suiting up on every night to feel that much more included. The only guy I would say maybe at the end of the bench that's looking a little bit concerning right now in terms of his involvement is Quinn Cook. But you have to understand every guard is playing except for him. So I can understand some natural level of frustration there, especially when you sign a $3 million deal annually to come on over. Yeah, and and he's another one I'm not as worried about because like he's he's shown up in like other players like Instagrams and things like that, and so like he's he's bought in and he's part of the team and he's he's willing to do whatever he needs to do. I think they all are willing to play their roles, and that's something that you have to have on a championship team. Look, you can be the best player on your team at any given level, but then when you get to this level and you're contending for an NBA title, you have to be bought into your roles. I think that's one of the reasons a guy like Jared Dudley has been able to survive in his role for so long, because he might have been the best player on his high school team, but he probably wasn't the best player on the majority of teams that he played since that point. He's been asked to play a variety of roles. He's adapted to all of them, so now he has the skill set to perform within them, whether he's playing 10 minutes, 1 minute, or 30 minutes. Unlike those guys who come to the NBA, they've always been the best player on their team, and then they're asked to do something different, a.k.a. Kyle Kuzma, and they struggle with that. I mean, we saw it with Kyrie Irving when he first came into the league and the Cavs asked him to play defense. He said, what's that? So I think the more that you have experience with that at a younger age, the more likely or more inclined you can be as you get older to play and fulfill those variety of roles. I know people think of role players as just another guy in the NBA, but there's a real skill set and mentality that you have to embrace to stick around that long. And a guy like Vince Carter, who's gone from superstar to role player, that takes even more, and I, and I credit him for that. Oh, yeah, Absolutely. Any final thoughts on this Lakers team, JC? It feels like we're finally back in a better place. You know, the four-game win streak had a lot of people concerned, myself included, obviously. But it feels like the momentum's rolling back in the right direction. The schedule is setting up for something favorable. And it feels like the Lakers should be celebrating their 30th win in the next week and a half or so here. Yeah, I think I think anytime you're on the road for that long, that you know hiccups like that will happen to, to the quality of play. And now that they're going to be at home for, for nine or ten days, I think that that'll help and do immensely. And the fact that they're playing some teams that that should be easily winnable games. I know people kind of write off when, you know, wins, wins against teams less than 500, but you know, a win is a win and it's still something you can build off of. No doubt about it. And I'm going to make one prediction before we end the show, JC, are you ready? Yeah. My prediction is the starting five will get changed at some point in the next 10 days. Avery Bradley out and Contavious Caldwell Pope in. Yeah, I'd say that's fair. I think that's what a direction Lakers really need to strongly consider. That way you keep Alex Caruso in the second unit. You can play him and Rondo together, as you just discussed, and this Lakers team would still be able to sort of uh, fixate on those roles that they've established without changing too much. The Lakers are a delicate balance when you've got a team this good with this much talent. You don't want to rock the boat too hard, otherwise it'll capsize. But when you've got to make a change in course, you've got to make a change in course to make sure that you reach your ultimate destination. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Let's do it. So until next time, of course, I am Ethan Noroff. You can follow me at Ethan underscore Noroff on Twitter. You can follow JC at JC DeLeon1. And you can follow us at Hoopball Lakers and the entire Hoopball family at Hoopball Tweets. Until next time, thanks for listening. We out.
This has been a hoop ball presentation. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the Fileo fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.